You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. This is just not any episode of Earth Station One. This is our 600th episode, folks. Yes, that's right, folks. We have made it 600 of these weekly episodes. And thank you, everyone, for being here and paying attention and listening and just being fans of the show. I think it's pretty darn awesome that we've been, you know, recording these, you've been listening, and you know what? It just keeps on going and going. We could almost say we are the Energizer Bunny of podcasting. You know, we just keep on going and going and going. Is it that, or we just don't know when to stop? And that's just the other part. But I don't see that happening for quite some time. And part of the reason we don't do that is because of the man I'm looking at right now across on my monitor. I'm looking at my co-host for tonight, as always, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy! 600! 600 of these things. Can you believe it? 600. Uh, Well, what's unbelievable to me is that uh, I think... You are the only one who's done all 600. I have. I've, so, uh, I've There's been a couple of Dragon Con reports I missed. Yep. But yep. I don't think ne- there's been an episode of Station 1 you missed. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, and we've only missed one week. Cause, that's Because yep. that was about three years ago. I think we skipped a week just because yep. of personal stuff going on in my life. Absolutely. Yeah. And... We also, you know, we've had episodes where we've recorded and we've had to go back and re-record, but we still didn't miss the week. And, but we've, you know, we've done it. It's just, it's crazy to think about. It just feels like yesterday was episode 500, but. I I challenge, <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't put anybody through that. I mean, talk about a, talk about a torture chamber that's worse than the geek seat. Like listening to all 600 episodes would be unbelievable. Although I will say, especially uh, those early ones. Oof. <laughs> uh, I listened to all the ones that I wasn't on. So, uh, so, and since I've been on the ones that, uh, that all, all the other ones that I've sort of mostly listened to, cause I was part of it. Um, yeah, I've listened to almost all of them. Well, it's interesting though, you know, if you th- like episodes that you've missed, like because of you being out of town or you've had other commitments and stuff like that, have you listened, gone back to listen to those or do you? A lot of times if I'm interested, like, like if I'm not interested in the subject, obviously, you know, if I bow out because I, it's not something that I'm into, like when you guys did the sopranos episode um i didn't listen to that because i'm just not into the sopranos but right. um so on that note but if it's something that i can't be at because and you guys are reviewing a movie that i like or whatever and i can't be there for personal reasons vacation or whatever um yeah i'll go back and listen to those because uh, okay. I, I i like the the camaraderie um you know that i've always said that you know i won't do this show if it if it seems like work um if it's not fun and it's always fun to participate every week, which is amazing that, you know, we've been doing this for so long and it's still, it's not, it doesn't feel like it gets old. It doesn't feel like we're, 
you know, running out of topics. It doesn't feel like we have guests that uh, are not interesting or whatever. It just seems like in some ways it's, it feels like we're just getting started still. No, and yeah, we haven't scratched the surface. You know, we're yet to get good, as we like to say. <laughs> yeah, there's room for us to grow. Big time. Exactly. And it's interesting because when we're doing this, half the time it's improv. We don't know what's going to come out of our mouths. This isn't scripted. We have, you know, notes saying, you know, what we're going to be talking about, what we're like topics and such, but we don't go into, well, Mike's going to talk about this at this point, And then Mike, the other Mike is going to talk about that or Mike. And it's just, and we never know what the guests are going to say, which is pretty darn awesome. And that's how I wanted it from the very beginning. And I think, the show is could I couldn't even imagine the show we've we have now when I first started doing this, and it was just an idea, and I asked my nephew to do it with me, and he said, "Sure, you know what's a podcast and then you know, and then we went from there, and it was just a lot of fun, and it grew and grew and grew, and we built a network around it, we built you know marketing around it, we built you know, an empire. <laughs> a very small empire. Yeah, you, can, yeah. you can call us the Luxembourg of of podcast networks. <laughs> you know, we're very, very small compared to a lot of these others. But it's been a blast, and I'm like Mike said, we're having fun doing it. And if we wasn't having fun doing it, I wouldn't be doing this. And if you think about it, you know, I record each one of these episodes with Mike, and then I have to go back. And I have to edit this one. So does that count as 1,200 episodes then? <laughs> Since, you know, I've done each one of these? But uh, no. <laughs> Damn it. All right. But, you know, so 600. That's not, that's not shabby. And that doesn't even include the specials we've done. It doesn't include the bonus episodes we've done. It doesn't include originally, you know, doing the Dragon Con report, which came out of... Earth Station One. We've had uh, two shows. I think actually more than that spin off from Earth Station One. We've had, uh, of course, Earth Station Who spun off, uh, Dragon Con Report spun off, which are still going on. Uh, I the, do believe the that Pro Wrestling Roundtable originally. I was going to say, off. I believe that Pro Wrestling Roundtable originally like was a spin off, um, and uh, I want to say there was a couple of others, but um, you know. Um, there's other ones that are like Earth Station Marvel, Earth Station, you know, where there was Earth, Earth Station MCU for a while, Earth Station DCU, uh, Earth Station Trek, but those are, those actually aren't hard spinoffs. They, they use our names and we love them for it because they're doing what we don't have time for. Exactly. Um, which is great. Although if anybody out there is wanting to do a Marvel show, we are auditioning still. So, um, uh, Damn but, straight. uh, you know, but the station's been great. Uh, the inhabitants that we've have here uh, on the network, um, you know, has been a great experience to get to know every one of those folks. Uh, they're all doing quality shows as well, and you know, it, it's amazing to we got our own little thing that we do here on our station one, and uh, we're pretty comfortable with it. But you never know. I mean, Mike and I are talking about we always talk about ways to improve. Mm -hmm. and, and, and tweak the show. So certainly if you're a longtime listener or you're just listening for the first time because you want to see what we have to say about Dune, um, 
you know. Oh yeah, we're talking to, about Dune tonight. <laughs> yeah, feel free to feel free to reach out to us because you know we uh, we like hearing from you guys. We want to know if you there's something that you like that we, we will keep on doing it, or if there's something you don't like, you know, we'll take a look at it and see if it can be improved. Because uh, we're constantly looking at trying to uh, take the show to the next level and 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 oh, yeah. and pl- please you guys really. Exactly, we've been tweaking, we've been playing, and we're open to new ideas. If you know of anything you guys want to see on the show or don't want to see, you know, please let us know. Definitely would love to hear from you guys about that because you know that's how we grow. That's how we you know change. Mike and I can only do so much, but we definitely would love to hear from you guys. If you're a new listener, if you're an old listener, thank you, thank you, as we like to say. I also want to give a quick shout-out to some of the old co-hosts we've actually had on the the show. Of course, started with Dan Rin. Then we also had um, – we've then moved on to William Faber and Judy Faber, who were co-hosts for a few episodes. Then, of course, Mike Gordon came aboard. And then we also, of course, had Bobby Nash for a bit. And, you know, people still come to me and say, oh, Earth Station One, isn't that Bobby Nash's podcast? Yeah, we always will be. Yeah, of course. You know, it's the stigma we have to live with now for the it's rest Bobby's of It's Bobby's world. Exactly. Then we also had Jennifer Hartshorn, who was a co-host for a bit. Mm-hmm. I want to say hey to everybody there. And, you know, we've also had folks who have spun off on their own, like Mike had said. Uh, we've inspired a few other podcasters. Of course, uh, Phantom Troublemaker started on Earth Station Who. And Dave West did, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And, of course, we also had... Um, He's Jay- created a monster there. Oh, yes, he has. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> they even made a movie about him. It's exactly. Pre- it's pretty awesome. And, of course, also uh, J.D., who has been locked in the airlock for many, many years. <laughs> and, you know, J.D. actually spun off onto his own show also. So, you know, it's pretty amazing when you hear that Mark Maddox now has his own podcast. And we have some news about that coming very soon to the ESO network. So it's pretty awesome. You know, friends of the show who have gone on to other things or who are still hanging around. And thank you guys. This has been a while. You know, we're going to be coming up in April on 12 years of doing this podcast. And that's just amazing to think about. We're going to be starting our 13th season of doing Earth Station One. That's crazy. 13 seasons, 600 episodes behind us. And, you know, um, you know. You know, it's sort of a mixed bag because on the one hand, you know, when we had episode 200, 300, 400, 500, et cetera, we, we got together with people and uh, went to places that we love and celebrated uh, our our fortune of having uh, great listeners and doing this show. Uh, we were obviously not able to do that this year uh, for, uh, you know, pandemic reasons. But, um, you know, I can't think of any better way to celebrate what we do and to honor what we do as a, as a show, as our station one is to get with some really cool f- people, some cool friends, the movie crew that's been with us for years and, and talk about this new release of this uh, much anticipated sci-fi epic. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun discussion. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, like I said, I can't think of any better way really to honor what we do. Cause that's, that's what, I mean, at the end, that's what it's all about. That is pretty awesome. And you know what? Let's have fun with this. Let's go on to, like I keep on joking, let's go on to 1,000, see where it goes. And, you know, 
by then podcasting will be a thing of the past and will be holograms on your, you know, table or something like that. Just talking about geeky stuff. Two old guys doing that. <laughs> it'll it'll well, be awesome. <laughs> you never know. Could be interesting to see. But it you know, with that being said, you know, definitely we'd love to hear from you guys. We always love hearing from you guys. Please feedback at earthstation one dot com. And you know what? If you haven't had a chance or you haven't yet, please subscribe to our show wherever fine podcasts are found. And if you get a chance, leave us five stars wherever you listen to us. We would really appreciate it. That's how other places people find us. That's how we get more downloads. That's, you know, it, it's a, it's a bloody circle, as we like to say. And, you know, we've been doing this for a long time and we're going to keep going. We're not that tired. We're not that old. It's awesome. So it's pretty cool. So definitely check us out as we like to say of course we also want to give a great shout out to our friends over at Tofosi Optical Tofosi Optical is here fall is in you know bloom you know it's almost Halloween we, by the time the show comes out Halloween is like three days away are you going to do anything special other than giving out comic books Mr. Mike that's special enough. You know, we got the, that going on. And, of course, the the movies continue. And uh, if you want to know more about what movies I'm seeing this month and, and enjoying uh, and want to comment on those, feel free to, you know, catch me on social media because I'm posting it all there. And you know what? Our friends at Tifosi Optical love Halloween. You know why? Because people get scared at Halloween. That's right. And they could put on a pair of sunglasses to hide their eyes from all those spooky monsters and everything. And they have really dark shades at Tifosi Optical. You can, you know, custom make your own sunglasses there with colors to be Halloween, to be fall, to be Christmas. It's right around the corner. And you know what? You could go as dark as you want. So, you know, you could wear your sunglasses at night. All right. I'm dating myself there. Not going to go there. But you know what? Tofosi Optical has all your sunglasses needs. They also have gamer glasses, sports glasses, all kinds of really safety goggles, really cool stuff. All you have to do is go to tofosioptics.com, put in the coupon, Earth Station One. You get 10% off your whole order. Just not one pair of glasses, folks. Your whole order. That's pretty big. So order up, my friends, tofosioptics.com. And now we're here with new friend of the show, comic creator and filmmaker, Royce Atkins. Welcome to Earth Station One, sir. Hey, what's up, y'all? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks. Welcome to the station, sir. For those people who may not be uh, familiar with uh, you and your work, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so um, I make comic books. Um, I'm also a filmmaker. I shoot short films, things like that. Um, but yeah, right now, my focus right now is a uh, create my own comic books, my own storyline. And I just uh, launched my own comic book company called Stone Harbor Comics. Wow. That is, that is ambitious and impressive. And, and I want to talk Thank all you. about that. Um, what, um, what, where did the urge to uh, sp- take part in storytelling come from for you? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Actually. Um, probably I would say, um, the first time I knew I wanted to tell stories was actually when I went to go see uh, the first Toy Story in theaters. Mm. Um, that's actually the first movie, at least that I I have a recollection of of actually seeing in theaters. So um, it it kind of did both. It actually um, it made me want to tell my own stories and also made me want to be a filmmaker at the same time. Uh, so yeah, that that movie was a, a huge huge part, kind of like in my creative journey. 
Yeah, because it's very different. I mean, there's some people who just go to the movie and they enjoy the movie. And then there's other like I can remember, you know, as much as I love Star Wars, it wasn't until I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark that I was like, I want to find out what goes on behind the scenes. Like I want <laughs> right. to be behind the camera. I want to know what goes into making those kind of things. And uh, and yeah, sometimes those stories are as interesting, as compelling as the stories that are on screen, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because like, literally, and I was about, I would say, maybe seven or eight when when I went to go see that movie in theaters. And literally, I was like, I don't know what's going on inside. But like, I want to, how do I make people feel that way? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel things. <laughs> how, how did you get uh, introduced to comics? It was actually my dad. Uh, my dad was a huge, huge comic nerd. And he loved Spider-Man. And so Spider-Man was the first comic book that he gave me and that I read. And I just loved it. And at that point, I was like, wait, reading can be fun and, and awesome. And I was like, and have pictures? This is great. <laughs> and yeah, no, the, the rest is history. I just fell in love with the medium. I fell in love with the storytelling aspect and um, the art at the same time. And it's like literally just the perfect uh, combination. I just feel like you really can't get anywhere else. Right, right. Um, so in starting your own comic company, what was, uh, you know, what was the impetus for that? What was like, you know, the, did you just want to do your own thing? Were you tired of what was being offered from other companies or? Well, um, as far as, yeah, the, the, the comic company part of it was actually something more kind of like recent. Um, I would say it was really driven by the fact that like I have, cause I have two comic book series right now. One's biopunk's the other's Legend of Althea. And both of those were driven by me wanting to tell a story that I feel like I would love to see that I feel like hasn't really been told, you know, in the way that I would like. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like a big driving force and like seeing characters that I would want to see on screen or not on screen, but uh, on the page. Um, but, you know, so that's what kind of like drove me to making these comics. And I started off with Biopunks first and, um, Legend of Althea is my newer one. I started Biopunks in 2017 and Legend of Althea um, actually at the, the top of 2020. And um, it was me realizing like, while I start, I was trying to like promote both and, but I was like treating them both as like, they were their own separate entities. And, um, and then I was also working on like another idea and it was just like becoming a lot. And like, it was just getting really jumbled uh, when people would ask me like, Oh yeah. So, so you, you, you have a comic book. And like, you know, most people just assume like, oh, okay, yeah, you have, it's one. Well, I was like, no, I have this one and then I have this one. And so with um, me wanting to launch my uh, crowdfunding campaign that's going on right now, I was trying to figure out a way. I knew I wanted to do it for both, which I know is a little unconventional. Usually people just choose which comic, one comic they want to to do it with. But I was like, you know, I really, I really feel like um, it would be cool and interesting to kind of do both and have people choose which one, because they're two very uh, different stories. They're linked, but different. Um, And it was in uh, building that crowdfunding campaign that I was like, you know what, let me just unify all of this and actually run the campaign as a comic book company. Cause that's kind of, I didn't realize it, but I was like, that's kind of like the move I was going towards anyway. And so that's Mm -hmm. what kind of spurred that idea. Yeah, yeah. What is since you've been involved on the creative side now of comics? What is something that uh, that you were unexpectedly uh, you ran in, ran across, either in a positive or negative way? Um. Well, one making comics is really hard. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> that I think was uh, a bit, I, I would say a big surprise uh, for me because I was like, I love comics. I, I was like, I, I can figure this out. I, I can write a little bit. You know, I can't draw. I'll just find someone who draws. I'll put this thing together. Oh, this is nothing. I got this. And I quickly learned that is not the case. <laughs> it is. Um, no. Yeah. So I, I honestly, I would say that like the, the, the time, the effort and the patience that like all goes into making a comic, um, I think was something I wish I would have known. Cause I, I did my research and all that stuff and people, you know, there are articles everywhere that says like making comics is hard. It's not what you think. You know, but I would read that I'm like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. But yeah, it won't be like that for me. <laughs> but no, it's true. Everything that they say is is true. It's it's a it is a art form art form in and of itself. And trying to do it on your own, not impossible, but it is very, very difficult. And the more people that the biggest thing that I learned is like the more people that you trust and and understand the vision that you're trying to portray the more people that can bring in that can, that you can bring in and help, you know, help you within each step uh, towards getting your comic out is the the better. Cause it, yeah, you think it's just throwing some dialogue on, on an image, but it is so much more complicated than that. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and much like filmmaking, it's a very much a collaborative effort. There's a team effort involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned, um, you know, working with people you trust. Tell us about some of the other creators that are helping you with this vision. So right now, um, the, the artists that I actually use um, uh, are, two artists that I actually uh, found on this website called Upwork and uh, which is, you know, like a, I call it like a more streamlined version of, of like Fiverr or Fiverr. I, I never know how to pronounce that website, <laughs> but you know, a place you can, you can like, you know, find people for, for different jobs and things like that. And um, so that's kind of like how I found my, my artists that way. And the collaboration that I've had with them, um, I mean, have just been really amazing. Like, obviously like I come in like, Hey, this is what I see. And when I first started, you know, I was very, I feel like I was very like, no, this is, this is what I, this is how it has to be, you know, it has to be X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then you realize like, once you have people who are, are, are also like invested in the story you're trying to tell, um, you realize that they can help push you and make you see things that you never even like realized. And like, that's what both of my artists do every single day. It's like, I'll, it's gotten to the point now where like, I, I kind of, I, I have the script, I give them the script and I kind of just give them the freedom to be like, Hey, what, what, it, based off of what I've written, you know, feel free to play and take it even farther. Like whatever you guys think that works within what we're trying to tell. And I feel like 99.9% of the time, like we've, I've gotten to a point with both of my artists where they just, they nail it every single time or take it even like farther beyond to the point where like, now I just have like little tiny notes, like, Hey, fix this. Maybe let's switch up the angle here or something like that. But that, that collaboration aspect. And when the, you know, when you have people who are willing to push you just as much, cause I, for me, I felt like early on that, like I would have to be doing the pushing. Cause it's like my story. It's like, no, do it like this, do it like that. But then it's like, they're pushing me to the point where they'll be like, Oh, well, you know, maybe even like story-wise, what if it, what if this happened, you know, this, this, and this, and I'm like, Oh, you know what? That's actually, I, I like that. Let's do that. You know? And so that's kind of like the beauty of it. And I think that's probably why, um, you know, I see so many similarities, like you said, between filmmaking and, 
um, making comics is like both are, are collaborative efforts. And I feel like the best movies that are made have the best collaboration with, you know, cast and crew and like same with comic books, you know, Mm -hmm. the better collaboration you can have. I feel like that's what really pushes uh, those creators and gives us those memorable stories. So, um, and the, the, they look great. The, 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 probably the samples that are on the website, uh, look, uh, the art looks amazing. Um, Thank looks you. like some really incredible, uh, properties. So in, in if just a real quick, uh, give us, uh, the elevator pitch for both of these stories. You mentioned that they're kind of different biopunks and legend of Althea. So like mm-hmm. what, what is each one about? Yeah. So, uh, they're both, um, sci-fi they're both within the sci-fi drama i'm a huge sci-fi nut everything i do is sci-fi for whatever reason um but um so biopunks is sci-fi action series um about uh three characters who are uh have physical differences or or disabilities that um they go through this experiment experimental procedure of hopes of being quote-unquote cured by having a synthetic spinal cord installed on their backs called a spinal core. Um, and what it does is uh, it doesn't just cure them, but also gives them special abilities, which um, ends up turning out to be a problem as uh, this one mysterious force um, ends up hunting down each patient that was involved in this procedure as to, to hunt them down and to actually harness the, the spinal core and make themselves stronger. They've actually found a way to um, harness the spinal cords from other patients um, to make themselves stronger. So our, our three main characters, Naya, Caden, and Otto have to band together and, you know, use their new abilities to, to stop the big bad guy awesome. from getting all the power. And for legend of Althea, um, it's about this uh, uh, teenage girl named Althea. This is a coming of age story. Um, about a girl named Althea who um, gets an artificial heart transplant. Um, so if you haven't, if you haven't been able to tell now, I have a thing with tech in doing that. Um, but, uh, she gets this artificial heart transplant that gives her the ability to heal people, but she quickly learns that it uh, comes at a great price as every person she heals, she actually retains the pain and trauma of that person. So the more severe the, the, the pain is that she's healing, the more she actually retains from that. And she comes into a situation where she has to figure out how to contain and control her powers in order to save her dad who's uh, become terminally ill and to save him before it's too late. But while that's happening, um, this notorious street gang called the Wolf Pack learns about her powers and they try to capture her and, and force her to use her powers for their own nefarious doings. Dun, dun, dun. Always, <laughs> there's always one like that, right? Um, always, always. Always. <laughs> But uh, awesome. They sound really good. Um, you've Thank got you. uh, that we'll put the website up for people to uh, check it out and support them. Um, awesome. And uh, now that we've uh, found out a little bit about your projects, I think, Mike, it's time to find out uh, where his passions lie with the Geek Seat, man. Well, you know, he seems really confident and, you know, he's been talking about, you know, different, you know, cybernetic and, you know, powers and such let's see what kind of powers he has when it's sitting into the geek seat and so oh snap okay (laughs) see if he can help it with himself so here we go all All right right. royce what was your favorite geek out moment my favorite geek out moment uh i i would say my favorite geek out moment um was probably uh I think um, I'm a huge Blade fan. 
So mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, seeing Blade Two in theaters was like that was wild <laughs> to me. Um, I, I would probably say that was probably my my biggest geek out moment. Oh, that's awesome! That is awesome. It's a great movie. Great, great yes. movie. What was your most disappointing geek out moment, though? Oh, um, these aren't easy questions, dude. You think, you know, <laughs> Mike, Mike was it, just buttering you up. These are, you know, this, right, is, the right. real, you know? this is the real stuff. Um, most disappointing. Um, oh yeah. I would say, uh, I would honestly say probably most disappointing geek out moment was, um, again, you know, to go with the whole sci-fi theme, um, I love uh, the Mass Effect video games and probably the ending of Mass Effect 3. I feel like I think I was I was pretty disappointed on on how that ended. No, oh, I could see that. My son was the same way and he was like, "Dad, there better not be a 4." <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no that that was a tough one. That was a tough one. What geeks you out the most? Um right now, honestly, um uh I would say kind of just like building and kind of diving into my own projects that I've been doing right now. Um and just kind of playing with that whole experience and like taking um pretty much taking like all that, like I said, like the creative influences from like first time I saw Toy Story and reading comic books, um uh thinking of like how the, the way I felt reading Spider-Man as a kid, reading Black Panther, like all these characters and kind of like doing, like trying, trying to do not just like make cool stories, but like make something like that was just as meaningful in hopes that like it can, my stories can touch people the same way that I was touched by the stories I read. I feel like that's really what I'm like geeking on right now. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. That's, you know, because you have that as a basis and then you're trying to pay it back in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. That is awesome. Let's look at the flip side of the coin on that, though. What turns your geek off? Oh, uh, hmm. Um, Reboots. I totally understand Uh, that. What's been your uh, least favorite? My my least favorite reboot, um, I think. Um, I'm I'm trying to think. Probably. Uh, why, uh, why am I tripping? Why am I tripping? Um, I would say. Oh, that's a that, that's actually a tough one. Um, <laughs> Like I told you, the show's not a cake work. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, let me see, because because the one the one that keeps trying to pop into my head, it's not. It's actually not a reboot. Um, but I guess I would. Uh, yeah, because it's not really a reboot. But I was going to say the the Dragon Ball Z movie, but I was just mm-hmm. more of a bad adaptation <laughs> versus a reboot. No, agreed. Agreed on that. Are you worried at all about the Blade re- reboot? Um, actually, no, because uh, I feel like uh, they got a great, great. They chose a great actor in um, oh, Hershaw Ali. He's I, awesome. 
Yeah, I think honestly, even if the show is horrible, I know he's going to be great <laughs> at least. So, and like he, I mean, he looks the part. Like he, he I know, and I know he's training. Um, and you know, obviously, you can't beat Wesley Snipes just like just from like a natural like presence, and like he was already you know a martial artist. So I feel like it'll be hard to top what he was able to bring. But I think from uh, from like a, a deeper acting um, a, a aspect and even like going deeper into the character, I feel like that's what uh, Mahershala Ali can bring to the table and we could see like a whole other side of Blade. Got it. Totally understand that. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? What fictional character? Yeah. Huh. Uh, mm, Y'all are bringing it with these questions right now. Because I know I'm going to... Whoever I say, I know as soon as I say it, I'm going to be like, oh, but wait, there's also that other one. (laughs) Um, You can come back again and do this another time. I know, I know. (laughs) I would say um, probably just to keep it interesting also uh, because someone I I feel like it would be really dope to meet but also very disappointing (laughs) at the same time uh, is um, Master Chief from Halo really yeah I feel like I would want to meet him just to hear his voice but I feel like he wouldn't really have much to offer in conversation (laughs) but just to like see him up close in like his armor I feel like would just be really dope oh that would be awesome I've seen people (laughs) I've seen people cosplay as him but yes. compared, compared to the real thing, that would just be like, wow. you know. Yeah, thing. exactly. But I feel like he'd be like, hey. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, so so how is it being you? It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> what fictional character would you not like to meet? Um, hmm. Who would I not like to meet? Uh, probably. Um, man. Um, probably a, a Carnage. I feel like I don't want to meet that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be that quick, long of a meeting, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> You'd be the next snack, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> what is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? I don't know. Um, I w- well, something I do say a lot. I, I mean, I don't consider it a geek phrase, but um, some people might. But I do say awesome a lot. So that that might be one, because I will fit awesome in in everything. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is your ideal geek occupation? Honestly, I would say what I'm doing now. I think um, number one answer. Yeah, I yeah, that's. Uh, but you know, if I can get paid more money to do it, that would, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> that's part of our number one answer too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, just being able to just create stories, create worlds and stuff. Like I said, that, you know, could have some meaning in somebody's life. I think would be really dope. That's awesome. That is really awesome. Mm -hmm. What geek occupation would you not want to do though? 
Um, programming. Number one answer too. You're doing good. That is that is hard. <laughs> Working with computers or programming. Number one answer. Yeah. That is awesome. So, so folks, you know, if you're a programmer, we bless you at home. Yes. Yes. You're doing amazing work. Exactly. <laughs> you're keeping everyone occupied with your work. Yeah, exactly. All right, Royce, are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. This is for all the marbles now. So. All right. I'm ready. All right. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Ooh. Um, actually, this is an easy one because I actually made it a, a power of one of my characters in Biopunks, but I've always wanted to teleport. That's always like been my favorite power, something I've always wanted to do. You know, that's why Nightcrawler is my favorite X-Men. Um, yeah, if I could just teleport, that would just, that would be great. <laughs> that would, I wouldn't need anything else in life. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you wouldn't need to, you know, drive a car. Hey, I just uh, want to no. go here. <laughs> right, you exactly. Car payments and traffic hassles. Exactly. Right, exactly. But I would want it, I would want it like Nightcrawler in X2, where it's like all this blue smoke. I just leave this trail of smoke bam, everywhere. Bam, bam, bam. You'd be bamfing right. all the time. Right, exactly. And you would actually be doing a poof, poof, wherever right. you went. Exactly. I need that sound effect. Yeah. That is awesome. That Although is you know awesome. that, that smoke can't be can't smell good. Oh, it's supposed to smell oh, like no. brimstone, actually. It's probably yeah. horrible for the environment. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anybody left in the room is like, woo! All right, right dude. Just... Burn a match. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Royce, we've got great news for you, my friend. You've made it to the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Yes, that was awesome. <laughs> Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $600. Ooh, let's go. But, you know, that's uh, that station money. It decreases really fast but the closer you get to the, the planet so um, or an ATM. yeah exactly um but uh yeah that's at a dollar per episode folks um um royce it's been great having you where can people go to check out uh the amazing books that you're doing and help support you yes so my crowdfunding campaign is currently running on a site called zoop um and the website is zoop.gg and uh, you can find me on the site. So you'll see Stone Harbor Comics. And you'll see my uh, bundle pack of both Biopunks and Legend of Althea. Or you can go to um, any of my social media. Uh, my personal social media is at Roro Beckley. That's R-O-R-O-B-E-C-K-L-E-Y. Or at Legend of Althea. Or at Biopunks Comic. To see and check out all the other artwork. If you want to see more artwork and what it's about. Um, there's some more backstory on there and each one links out to the crowdfunding page. Awesome. Awesome. Good luck to you, sir. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Let's take a quick break and we're going to be back with our review of Dune. Part one. <laughs> Part one. Hey, 
everybody, Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment and just this week stepping away briefly from rock and pop and into the world of movie music and musical theater to salute the career and music of Leslie Brickus, who died last week at the age of 90. You may not know the name Leslie Brickus, but I promise you, you know his music. Uh, his shadow looms large over popular culture in movie music and musical theater. If you have seen the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and you remember the songs The Candyman and Pure Imagination, he was the co-writer of both of those songs. He was also co-writer for the themes from Goldfinger and You Only Live Twice, co-writer of Can You Read My Mind, the music from Victor Victoria, uh, the song What Kind of Fool Am I? from the musical Stop the World I Want to Get Off with Anthony Newley. Uh, his song Feeling Good, recorded by so many artists, including an iconic version from Nina Simone. So you have definitely heard the music of Leslie Brickus, and uh, it, his impact will be felt for, for a very, very long time to come. So farewell, Leslie, and travel on well. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. Next week, I will have some news for you about Pat Benatar. And until then, we'll catch you next time. Tired of the same old movie podcasts? Yeah. What if I told you there's a podcast that gabs about good and bad movies? Why are you spreading such lies? It's true, you rascal. Every week, Double Edge Double Bill mixes that scrumptious taste of good movies with the sour flavor of a bad one. That sounds tasty. Well, don't delay. Stuff it down your ear throats today. Double Edge Double Bill is part of the Balance ESO Network Breakfast. can be found wherever you download podcasts. My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. The outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. What's to become of our world? A boy. <laughs> Duncan, can I trust you with something? Yes, always, you know that. I've been having dreams about a girl on Arrakis. I don't know what it means. Dreams make good stories. Everything important happens when we're awake. Hey, you. Put on some muscle? I did? No. We are House Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts! I know you. There's something awakening in my mind. You need to face your fears. Come with me. You need to be ready. You never met Harkness before. They're not human, they're brutal. The Duke's son sees too much. This is I do. Kill them all. God in heaven. Get everything!
Stay with guns off the ground. Go. This is an extermination. They're picking my family off one by one. Let's fight like demons. Dad, what if I'm not the future of House Atreides? A great man doesn't seek to lead. He's called to it. But if your answer is no, you'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. My son. If anything happens, will you protect Paul with my life? Only together can we stand a chance. Hey there, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for the main topic, and we are going to be looking at Dune Part One. So it should be a lot of interesting things to talk about, and we promise not to just do, hey, in the first movie when they remade it this time, we promise we're not going to do that the whole time. Mikey, take it away. <laughs> yes, it's time for some spicy discussion. I see what I, did I see what you uh, did I there. I yeah, see. I see it, there. It, 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 it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. Um, we've got our movie crew back reunited at last. And it feels uh, Ash- so good. <laughs> it does. It does. Talk Ashley about is here. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm glad we finally got to see it after all the COVID delays. Like it's a yeah. real movie and it's really here. It's it's here. It's and it's done. Yes. Um, and Alex is back with us. Alex, thank you for returning sh- to the show. Glad to be back. We are glad to have you, sir. Um, we've also got with us uh, Chip. Our good friend Chip is here, too. Hey, man. Hey, I just have one question. How did they convince Singh to get back in the thong for this movie? How did they get him back in the speed? You know what? Know. You know what? I, I, I understand that wasn't a very hard sell. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's, more, uh, it's harder to get him back out of the thong. Or you know, now that, on now, him, that really. now that we've, uh, you know, had everybody picture in their mind, old sting in a thong. <laughs> um, uh, let's continue on with our wow. review. That's a picture I will not get out of my mind now. (laughs) Let's talk about the box office. Let's talk about the box office. It's odd. (laughs) You know what? It really is fascinating. Um, So the domestic box office for it was $41 million, which is kind of around where they were expecting it to be anyway. Um, What's fascinating about it is that it's actually the highest debut in IMAX history. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Uh, Yeah, uh, this weekend was huge for IMAX. Uh, for this, it was only on 404 screens, uh, and it made like uh, I want to say it, it made like like 12 percent or something like that mm-hmm. of its total amount just from IMAX tickets. So that's wow. the Avatar numbers, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's 220 million dollars worldwide. So it's I guess almost paid for Batista. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how that works. Um, but forty million is not bad. It's, it's I, not. 
Not not bad considering that, and you know, I don't want to spend too much time like comparing the old one, but I think it's more than the original, like the the eighty four Dune made in its entire like time in theaters. Probably, yeah. So, um, yeah, because I, uh, I I looked that up, and I think it was like thirty. Uh, yeah, it opened with a, a whopping uh, six million. A little over six million in nine hundred and fifteen theaters, uh, and it was uh, ranked number two in the box office behind Beverly Hills Cop. Everybody, uh, yeah, but that's yes. a good one to be behind, really, though. Yeah. Now the movie uh, that movie only um, was budgeted at forty million, which of course this one is much bigger. So uh, I think that's what I think that's what Batista got, um, yeah. <laughs> or Jason Momoa, one of the two. Uh, Can you tell them apart? Mm, well, you know what? Uh, now that uh, Jason's lost the beard, I had a hard time recognizing him. Actually, <laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to CG that on for his next film or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, let's talk about what our expectations were because we've been waiting a year, and some people have been waiting their entire lives for this movie. Um, Ashley, what was your thoughts going in? <laughs> what was your experience with Dune? Prior to yes. So I read Dune probably about 10 years ago, and I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit that I didn't really love it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think you just encounter a story. It's not the right time of life for you. And I just had, I struggled getting through it. And I thought, well, you know, I'm grateful to have read that because it is a science fiction classic. So I'm glad that I know what it is, but I don't feel the need to necessarily continue. So fast forward to the new trailer for the movie and something about it just like really drew me in the visuals. I mean, the cast was amazing. The scope of it. I'm a huge fan of the director whose name I will not say because I know I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but he's also done Arrival in Blade Runner 2049, which is a film that I absolutely loved and blew me away in the theater. So I thought this is a movie I'm definitely going to have to see. And I was also really interested in the movie because it's uh, one of my dad's uh, favorite stories and he was super excited for the movie. So he and I actually got to watch it in the theater together. So that was a really special experience to seeing him in the theater seat like a kid at Christmas, just getting to see the story that he's waited so long to see on the big screen. So I would say that made the cinematic experience even more special for me. Absolutely. Did you see it in IMAX? Yes, we did. And ah. it was worth every penny. I, I can imagine. I can imagine. I watched it streaming and uh, it was gorgeous, but I could understand where um, if you saw it on the big screen, it was probably even more epic. Um, uh, Alex, what about you? What were your expectations going in? Um, okay. So I couldn't get through the book because any attempts for me to read it just bored me to tears. Uh, the 84 movie was in my humble opinion and the opinion of pretty much everybody else awful. Um, So, you know, the trailers were good for this one, but honestly, the source material for me wasn't my style. It wasn't my target. Um, So honestly, I'm going to be frank here, y'all. I wasn't really looking forward to, to watching this one. I watched this movie specifically to do the podcast tonight. Interesting. Interesting. And I watched it streaming. I didn't go to the theaters and I know it was filmed for IMAX. So I'm not surprised that it looks amazing on IMAX. 
Um, and I thought it was a beautifully shot film uh, for television, too. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Chip, what about you? What was your uh, did you read? You read the book, obviously. Have you read all the books? Um, so just to kind of go ahead, since we're doing the book comparison, I will admit I have read the main six that were written by Frank Herbert, not the ones that were written by his son. I, I have ever since Tolkien's kids, I have an issue with that. Um, Brett Dune easily counting the audiobook probably like six times. Um, it's one of my favorites. I, 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 I hit it right at the perfect time. Plus my dad was a huge Dune fan. So it's sort of kind of like with Ashley, it was one of those, like it got passed down generationally seeing the 84, seeing the sci-fi miniseries. Like, so when I saw this, it was, I, I, I guess the best comparison is probably what real hardcore Tolkien fans were seeing when they saw the trailers for Lord of the Rings, where it's like, this looks amazing. And I'm crossing my fingers and going, I think my first comment when like the trailer was on the ESO page of like, please be good. Please be good. Please be good. Please be good. Let me ask you real quick. Um, so you, after being a, such a big fan of the book series, I take it that the 84 film and then the uh, mini series uh, in what, 2000, 2001 mm-hmm. um, were disappointing. Uh, okay. I will say the 84 movie. If, if you watch it as a David Lynch movie, I've always thought it does a lot better than watching it as a dude movie. If you watch it just as David Lynch fan, like where the bizarre, cause a lot of that is just Lynch having fun. And I really can't hate Lynch. I mean, the guy, I don't, he's not my cup of tea, but he, he sticks to his style and I appreciate it. The sci-fi miniseries was basically what I what I really think Dune kind of deserves, except I think they need like HBO money um, mm-hmm. because it really it needs that miniseries. It is as big as something like Game of Thrones. So I really like the sci-fi miniseries, um, but even I will admit there is some CG moments that look like PlayStation One scenes, and there's some acting that. Yikes, though Children of Dune does get a very young uh, Professor Xavier. So there is a certain weird <laughs> going back and watching. Seriously, it's one of the weirdest like casting. You're like, he was in that? Okay. So anyway. <laughs> but this so, was, uh, okay, so coming out of watching this one, what, what are your thoughts? Did it satisfy? Um, mostly, there's a few things that they cut that I wish they hadn't. But most of it, I'm watching it going, I get why that was cut, because it wouldn't have... It's one of the classic issues when you run into books as big, because, as I've said before, is Frank Herbert wasn't writing in an era where sci-fi writers made movies. So you you weren't written... This movie wasn't... This book wasn't written to be a movie. So there are entire, like, screeds of pages of dialogue that were perfectly in written form, but if you were to try to, like, put that on film, unless you have, like, Godfather-level actors... You can't have guys sitting around delivering these like pages of dialogue without it coming off as really clunky and awkward. So I get why a lot of that was cut, and that was sort of most of it. Yeah, we'll get into when we start talking about plot structure and some of the pacing. I had some issues there, but overall, I just, I want there to be a part two. <laughs> yeah, here, I here. So. here, here. Um, uh, Mike, what about you? I know, I understand you have read the book as well, right? Oh yeah, I read the first three books. And I enjoyed seeing this one. I have a history with the original movie because when I was in high school, that was the first movie that was playing at the movie theater. I got a job with it in high school. Mm-hmm. And we actually, at the, at the movie theater, 
printed up and made guides to basically say who's who in the movie and some of the definitions of like the different planets and stuff. So it would be a little easier to understand who is what. And I just, I li- I liked the original. I, the miniseries left me flat. And so that's what I was really worried about to this. And I was not disappointed when I got to see this. I did stream it and I do wish I did go see it on IMAX. I'm sure it was just breathtaking. And, you know, some of the scenes, some of, you know, for like Judy hasn't read the books or anything and she liked it. She said she really, at first she was very lost when she was watching the beginning of it. She said, once the attack on the planet happened, that's when she said she started understanding and following what was going on and was able to follow it from there. But I did enjoy what they did, what they brought on. Like Chip said, they left out some certain parts from it, and it's understandable from the book and such. I felt like, though, this was explained a lot better than the first movie. It was, you know, this was easier to to digest. Not the whole book shoved down your throat, you know, all at once. And that's what I liked about it. And I'm glad they're not doing a full Peter Jackson on this. I'll just say that. And I'm going to be very curious to see because 2 hasn't been announced yet. You know, they said it's coming that, you know, it's a very good possibility because this had done gangbusters overseas already because it's been out for a few weeks already. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think the audience is there. I just, you know, I think the, the numbers would be up if they didn't put it on HBO also. so um, I was actually going to say I was reading something the other day about that after I saw the movie, and I think they did actually tell the director uh, – who again, kind of like Ashley, I'm not going to try to pronounce because I will horribly butcher it, that he does get some of the, that if it does well enough on streaming, they'll still green light too. That they're not, that they're going to, they've, they've sort of said, okay, because he came out really big against this movie and saying, you're going to kill the movie. And I have been basically saying, you know, I don't have to because we haven't been green lit yet. And basically they like, okay, tell you what, if it does really good on streaming and you do good on money, like it doesn't have to do as good if it does good on streaming. So I think... It's a weird thing going in, though, like making a movie knowing that you're only making like part one and you don't know if you're going to be committed to part two. It just seems like that's a risk, uh, a big risk, you know, because if you just say, eh, didn't do well, we're just not going to make a part two. It's like, well, then you've just diminished everything you've done with part one, like like everything that all the efforts that went into this one uh, have been diminished. And I and I just think that's that's a very that's a that's a very weird kind of yeah i mean it just yeah the mentality i mean i understand budget wise and money wise business wise it's hard to commit to that kind of money but still if you're going to go in you better know that you're at least going to get you know two movies uh, out of this well um, i think they were pretty sure about it by you know especially the studio keeping part 1 in the title cuz the studio could have just taken that out well, Very yeah, easily. but if you if you did, then people would come out really angry, I think, uh, because it doesn't end in a very satisfying way as far as if you don't know that there's another one coming, 
you're probably like, uh, that's what did I just watch? Like, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it doesn't even feel like, like, like half a movie. It feels like the first act of a three act play. Like, it feels like, like it just like, like if things are just getting interesting and started and then the credits roll. Um, and, uh, anyway, um, real quick, um, I never read the book. I had, uh, some friends that I knew in high school that read the book and they talked about it all the time. So I kind of felt like at the time I read the book and I didn't need to. Um, and I don't know why it's not like I'm scared of reading. I don't know why I've never picked it up and read it. Um, I think it's one of those things that I felt like, you know, because I know it's a series, it's a commitment. Like, it's not just, you can't just read the first one and be like, I'm done. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, then you got to read the others. So, um, but, uh, I was excited. I was in the theater to see the, uh, 84, 85 movie. Um, and, uh, I did get the, I still have it somewhere. Um, the, the glossary that they handed out, which confused me because I was like, how are we supposed to reference this in a dark th- theater? Like I, like I, how are we supposed to look up that? Like, uh, you know, um, and it's so funny that they have a glossary for terms, all these science fiction weird terms, when the main characters are named Paul and Jessica. Like, what? Like, like, like that's just so weird. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know. I, I've I've watched I'd watched the David Lynch one. Certainly, it's got its issues. I've watched the miniseries, and certainly, it's got its issues. And I've enjoyed to an extent every one of them. Um, you know, they're all, all of them, everything that's been done with Dune has been visually amazing to me, like just outstanding. I mean, even when the miniseries came out, yeah, when we look at it now, it, it looks kind of clunky, but I mean, at the time in 2001 and with the new aspect ratio, those effects were breathtaking. Um, I thought a lot of them. And, uh, so I, I, but if you were to ever ask me, what is the plot? What is the story of Dune? I, I couldn't tell you. Like, I couldn't tell you. After, you know, watching the David Lynch movie, I couldn't tell you. After watching the miniseries, I couldn't tell you. I will say, it, uh, about halfway through this movie, it occurred to me, I'm like, wow, I understand the story here. I think I'll actually remember what's going on because I know exactly what's going on and who everybody is. So I do give um, the director and the creative t- folks a lot of credit for making this a little bit clearer to understand and putting all the pieces in place so that, uh, you know, you understand what the logic behind the story. Um, so, uh, but, um, and overall I, I enjoyed it as well. To me, it felt like a very great pilot of a TV show. Like it really felt like, like, okay, I'm hooked. I'm ready for the show to begin. We're going to have an, a show that's going to last like, you know, 13, 14, whatever episodes. Um, I'm ready to go. And then, of course, you know, to know that, oh, well, we're not really sure we're doing part two yet. We're kind of sure, but we're not. We haven't really greenlit it yet. It's, it's kind of like, wow, I hope I didn't go through Because this is like, you know, almost three hours. And if you're in a theater, I'm sure it's like with the with the ads and everything, I'm sure it's over three hours. Um, so it's a lot of time. Uh, to to waste on something that I you hope you know as beautiful as it is, but um, Ashley, let's talk about something that uh, in particular, uh, either character, act, performance, visual um, that you liked about the movie. 
Something I really appreciated is kind of along with what you referred to. I don't always have the best memory. So even though I read the Dune book, I didn't remember a lot of details, but I still had, I felt like a fairly easy time following along with the story. Even if there were terms I didn't recognize or understand, like if you're familiar with science fiction stories, you know, you you kind of pick up that sometimes places and people have weird names. You can just kind of go along with it. But something that I really enjoyed, probably my favorite character was Lady Jessica. I really enjoyed Rebecca Ferguson's performance. And I'm really intrigued by the Bene Gesserit. I apologize if I butcher any of these uh, Dune terms, but I really like the idea of this like female order of powerful people who are subtly influencing politics across history. And I like that to me, Jessica was such a nuanced character because she is a member of this order. So she has loyalty to them, but then she also has a loyalty to the man she loves and her son. So she's kind of pulled in these two directions. I thought one of the most powerful scenes was watching her when she sends her son in to go be interrogated by the Reverend mother and just like the panic and the idea, he has no idea what he's walking into, but she, she does and just her emotions. And I'm really glad that she uh, survived and is going to be going on. I feel like we've had a lot of science fiction stories or superheroes recently about like fathers and sons. So I'm really intrigued that we get to see a story about a mother and her son and just delving into that relationship a little bit more. So I was really impressed with that, that part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. And I, I, I completely agree. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson is a very much a standout in this movie. Um, uh, and there's a lot of great performances and great actors. Um, but uh, I wasn't sure I'd seen her in much before, but I guess the Mission Impossible movies, um, she's in those, right? Um, yes. That's probably the only place I've really seen her before. So good stuff. Uh, Alex, something that you liked? Um, so this movie is beautifully shot. Um, I, I know that a lot of people have mentioned uh, things from the book being cut from the film, um, but I, you know, uh, uh, to, to paraphrase, the movie must flow. Huh. Um, that said, it's a beautifully shot movie, and as I was in hour four of the first half of the film, I was like, "Oh, this is like watching beautiful paint dry. It's gorgeous to look at." And I am bored out of my mind. Um, and I, I wish that wasn't the case. Um, visually, it's a stunning film. It's gorgeous. It's shot beautifully. But there's a moment during the beginning of the film where two people stare at each other for two minutes with nothing said. And it's awkward. I didn't find that awkward at all, but anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a beautifully we'll shot that, but... film. It's a beautifully, yes. beautifully shot film. I really thought it was gorgeously done. And uh, Denis Villeneuve, um, yeah, you. I went there. Whipping uh, out the French. Yeah. Um, I, I think that he did a tremendous job. He had a whole lot to work with and pulled off a beautifully filmed movie. And I can see... I can see the aspect of doing it in IMAX and mm. getting the experience nice from that. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I 
got it. I got it. Uh, Chip, what about you? What's something you enjoyed? Um, I got one that's non-spoiler and one spoilery, so I don't know which ones. We you are doing spoilers, so we so, are in spoiler okay. territory. So we, so go we right made ahead. the announcement. This at the is the official of the show. spoiler warning. Okay, so the the first one that I like, and this is Mike probably will agree with me on this, is it got the what I call the the first time I ever saw it was Order of the Phoenix treatment, which is somebody went through that book with a highlighter and found all the like fan quoted lines, all the little scenes that every fan that everybody who's read those books knows and made sure they wound up in the movie. Now they didn't necessarily look the same, but it was almost like there were scenes that I was just like, how they, they wait, they actually put that in there. Cause that always gets cut, but I'm like, okay. And then as a book fan, I am so glad they killed Duncan Idaho. Thank you. Thank you. Cause one of my big fears going into this movie, because they had cast Momoa as Idaho and and because Idaho becomes so important like in the sequels and there's a lot of stuff going on with him in later books that I'm just like I hope that they're not like going to let him survive and give him Gurney Halleck's story arc and Gurney's going to like I thought they were going to pull some crap like that and I was just like please kill him like please let him die because that was one of the better story beats hmm. it was it was interesting watching like okay there's Poe and and there's uh and and there's cable and and there's uh and there's aquaman and oh oh all of them die <laughs> i don't know um, i don't know about i don't know about cable i just lost him and um <laughs> if they stick to the <laughs> Yeah, if, if you don't if you don't see them die, they probably didn't die. Spoilers. <laughs> I thought we were in spoiler territory. Spoiler filled thing. By the way, Rosebud no. yeah. was a sled. Okay. Now you'll 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 see some familiar faces pop back up in the second part if they do it. Mm. Let's say let's just say that it's it's interesting too because there was so much fan like that fans were geeking out about people who've read the book who are true, huge fans to me. I loved all that. I loved seeing the cinematography for this alone. If this does not win the Academy award, somebody there's something going wrong, you know, somewhere, but it was, it was just beautiful for me to see the true power of the sandworms in this was just breathtaking. Yeah, you've seen him in, you know, the first movie and the miniseries. You even saw him in Frippin' Beetlejuice to a point. But these are the sandworms that I was picturing when I read the book when I was 10 years old. And it was just amazing to see, especially when it swallowed the spice miner and everything. That was just awesome. And everything, and you felt the the power, the terror that it was getting closer and closer and closer, and it was it was it was just awesome. I was at a disadvantage on that because again, I knew about the spice worms, but I hadn't seen them, and I hadn't you know not not doing the book, not doing the miniseries, not doing the original film. Um, so for me, it, it, it was a really cool image. But I'm like coming from seeing crate dragons and seeing tremors. And seeing all these things, they're amazing. They're mm-hmm. amazing, and I feel like in this case, I actually missed out by not being ready for it ahead of time mm-hmm. because I don't think that I got the full effect that uh, that you guys did. No, agreed, agreed with that because it's they're they're such an integral part of the story 
further on and and just to see what how they're introduced is just it was done really well another place you also saw them was mandalorian too so they uh you know they they also um you know with the books even yeah from early on the books and all the movies they have images of the worms and it's almost like this is going to be you expect it to be like sort of a uh, a kaiju movie or something like where you're going to see them be attacked by worms throughout the whole thing or something. And the worms are very used very, very sparingly. Um, and uh, it's, it's interesting because if you're expecting worms, like every five minutes, it's, that's not what you're going to get. And um, you know, it's a tricky thing to, to sort of uh, uh, promote because this is, this is a movie that, uh, the the creative team takes their time to tell. Um, the one thing I appreciated about the movie is that it goes at its own pace. And some could say it's a worm's pace, um, but it's 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 it does it. And if you're on board with that, I think it's very rewarding. Um, for example, the scene that um, you know, I, I, if the actors are there and the character moments are there, I don't need people to actually talk. They can stare at each other, and I get what's going on there. Um, but uh, I, uh, I think that, and I think this movie does that. You know, this movie allows you to breathe. It really allows you to take in the world that they create, the the desert world. Um, looking around, there's you know, in some hands you're like, how can they make shots of the desert interesting like the hundredth time? And yet, I didn't. I never felt bored. I always felt like I was just sort of in, and, and I can only imagine in an IMAX environment that that would have been doubled down, you know, like, um, I, I, I really appreciate that. The little character moments, I mean, sure. Some of them may not seem to pay off, uh, right away, but I understand that, you know, things are happening and, and they're going to happen. I think watching things like game of thrones and that kind of thing has prepared a lot of audiences for this kind of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if you came out with this movie, like 10 years ago, people would be like really not happy. Uh, but I do think a lot of people are familiar enough with, with that, this kind of storytelling that they're like, okay, this is intriguing. I'm ready for the next one. Um, we don't have to, you don't have to sort of, you know, tell a story in uh, an epic story and cram it into two hours. Um, because that would be, that would be a mistake. I mean, you could do it, but you know, this allows it to breathe. That is actually one of the ways I describe when I'm trying to explain Dune to people, as I say, it's basically sci-fi game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that it Pretty is, it is so. a sci-fi song of ice and fire. It is that big and crazy and just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much, it is very much a great combination of science fiction and fantasy. I think even more so than star Wars is star Wars like goes more into fantasy territory. Whereas I think if Dune feels a little bit more rooted in science, is that fair, Chip? Um, I'm gonna go ahead and just um, I'm gonna go ahead and, and wave the piece like I'm not touching that one with a with a ten foot lightsaber. <laughs> that, that is not an argument I want to get into. Um, no, I mean, I will as, say far, because... as far as the science of Dune, does it seem pretty solid? No, Frank Herbert had some serious. Um, his grasp on biology is tenuous at best. Um, he does have some decent ideas on ecology, and I will give him credit that he does do some very good world building about explaining how a desert planet actually would function and exist, and there's a lot of that. 
but it is, if you think about it, it's one of those science things, don't think about it too hard or it goes collapses. So, well, not only collapses, but if you think about, you know, like the suits too off and you're like, Oh, you're going to be existing for hours with your own fluids. That's kind of gross. <laughs> We're not even getting into the second law of thermodynamics and how that doesn't, science that doesn't physics that's not how that any of that works sure. oh sure. when they were making coffee for them and they were spitting into the <laughs> <laughs> I actually, okay i actually really like that scene because that is one of the things in those books that has always kind of not bugged me but always been kind of a weird little sticking point is coffee service is like this thing that they bring up like a hundred times and it's this like mark of rank is that you now have a coffee service is literally like used as like a symbol of like wealth. I had a coffee service. That was how I knew I had money. And so I actually like the fact that the coffee service, this coffee thing was like this. And it made a little sense if you thought about it in terms of like, this is them giving up their moisture. So it makes a sense of like, why is this kind of this mark of wealth? Well, you have to have somebody, you know, give up moisture to make it. It's like, uh, okay. I guess that makes a level of sense. A little bit. It was interesting, too, because one of the things I did notice was the missing of any electronics. If you notice, there were no computers at all in this movie. There were no, you know, you had the floating lights and stuff like that when they were at the beginning, when they were on the lake planet. But after that, you didn't see really even the compass that he had was built like a clock that he said it wasn't an electronic piece or anything they weren't using uh computers or anything to navigate the helicopters or the you know the spaceships or anything it was all manual it was just i did li- i like the look of the dragonflies oh the dragonflies were mm-hmm. gorgeous yeah those were nice. they were those, those were amazing were nice. i don't yeah. I don't even recall if those were actually in any of the versions because they, they seem so mm. new and unique to me. Uh, they were this, different. That I, that I was like, mm. this looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, the it's going to sell a lot of Legos. <laughs> <laughs> Are there doing Legos? Probably. Oh, God, yes. I'd... Give Lego two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just waiting for the Funko Pop Sandworm. It's okay. <laughs> well, it just always strikes He's me. He's not joking. Like, no, I, I'm I, not. I think. Uh, I'll buy one. Oh, no, I'm sure. Um, uh, you know, because this isn't really a kid's movie, you know, like I can't imagine like, you know, kids being able to sit still for this, you know, I mean, as it is, it's, you know, I I understand there's a lot of critiques and valid too about the pace because that's a really subjective thing. It's like when I'm watching a baseball game, if it's zero to zero, I'm like riveted where some people are bored and it's like there's, you know, there's, there's nine innings and there's no scoring. I'm riveted with every pitch. But some people are bored because there's no action. And and I get that. Like, it's just a different kind of mentality. Um, and and I really like and I appreciate that, especially in this day and age, that when there's quick cuts all the time and you hardly get to see three people in a scene together without it being, like, cut and, and pasted. Like, it just seems like you allow the actors time to do their thing and have moments um, and, and you get to, like, like I said, I think the world building that they did in this is probably the best part about this movie. Um, but, uh, what is something else about the movie that deserves mentioning either good or bad, Ashley? 
Well, something that I really appreciate about the movie is that it did not feel derivative. And I want to qualify that by saying the weird thing is that Dune predates a lot of these sci-fi and fantasy stories, the book. But then you have all these movies and TV shows that were made. So in an odd way, this movie could have felt like, oh, they're just borrowing from Star Wars or whatnot, even though technically the story comes before all these. So it's kind of this weird, complicated thing. But I feel like the creative team did a really nice job setting up this world that feels real, that feels unique, and it feels like its own place. Like the sand planet doesn't just remind you of Tatooine. Like it's its own fully realized world. And particularly in IMAX, like I felt like I was just looking in on a scene, like you feel like you're soaring across the desert. It was really just an incredible experience and all the little details I think that add together. I really liked the little desert mouse creatures that you can see them harvesting the water. And I thought they did a really good job. Um, selling how precious of a resource that is. Also, I'm excited. I looked online and I did find a crochet pattern that looks like those little desert mice. So that was because I'm a craft geek. So when I walked out of the theater, it's like, gosh, I need a plush of one of those little desert mice. So I'm going to be be crocheting one uh, later on this the next couple of weeks. But I think they did just such a great job making it so immersive and feeling like this is its own franchise. This is something new. It's different. And um, like we've been saying, I really hope they make part two. I almost wish they Warner brothers had just coughed up some extra money and just filmed it back to back, filmed Mm. all the scenes for both. And then have one part come out this year, one part come out next year while people remember the story while it's fresh in their minds, but it it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you Sorry, like I was just saying to say something. No, no, I was just when she's talking about the little mouse. This is one of those. Again, I'm I'm going to be doing this a bit because there's that, that that little mouse is one of those non-book reader book reader things. Because all I'm going to say is the little mouse is called Muad'Dib, and if you know anything about the books, so that was sort of my like. It's it's kind of it's not only like like she said it's this great little bit of world building, but it is a very crucial like story thing later with Paul's story and it comes back and it actually, so it was like the fact, again, it was one of those, like they're actually putting the freaking mouse in this movie because it, it's in, anyway. Um, I will say that one thing I did like, we've talked about the visuals a lot. I will give this movie an immense amount of credit and, and in theater, I didn't see it in IMAX. I saw it in a regular theater, but it, it was great for the sense of scale in the sense. Yes. That you felt how big like the guild highlighter, that big tube ship is when they have that one scene and you see the little dots come out and then one of them lands and it's the size of E.T. ship, you know, it's like, <laughs> holy crap. And then they have like, when they leave Caladan and these ships are jumping up and moving just so much water and you get this real sense that these are enormous pieces of equipment and it's that they are, they are moving a planet. So this is a, just the idea of this like giant scale was just like, so rare see in movies like you know if we're going to do the comparison star wars is about as close as you get but even it's not great about showing how like all the ships relate to each other in size until you get to later movies but you know this does a really good job of making you feel that like oh this is this thing is huge oh holy crap mm-hmm. yeah and that must be even especially that big tube one that yeah yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Order, yeah 
And that must be even more so, again, in IMAX or on the big yeah, screen. Yeah, like you felt intimidated when some of those big ships are coming on screen. And I thought they did a really good job with the sound design as well. Yes. And the music just, yeah. it was, I appreciate that it didn't necessarily feel like, oh, this is standard Hans Zimmer. I like that he's willing to try some new stuff and the the use of the chanting and some of that unusual vocalizations I thought was really cool. And again, helps sell that this is its own unique world with its tone and feel. Yeah, Hans Zimmer yeah. has like gone on record saying he wanted to do this movie. Like this was not a, they offered him this and it was kind of like, I think most of the actors, it was like, yes, well, we're not finished telling you what's the dude. No, yes. I get to do the score for Dune. Yes. <laughs> I even heard that he turned down his buddy, uh, Christopher Nolan's yeah, movie so that he could do Dune. So that's who you tell, like, he's passionate about this. He wants yeah. to do this. Yeah, like, he didn't do Tenet for this. Like, and so I, that says a lot. <laughs> and I think that's a, that, you know, with, with Zimmer, the way I feel, it's either meh or it's amazing. Um, and this is amazing. Um, uh, some of his scores are just kind of there. Um, but, uh, like these just feel like literally like background music, whereas this feels like an integral part of moving the story along. Um, Alex, what about you? Something else about the movie? Um, earlier you indicated that, uh, uh, we're talking about the pacing and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was not crazy about portions of it. Um, um, from a world building standpoint, they did a really good job with that. I will point out there's the difference between the drama of a zero zero game in baseball and a zero zero game in soccer when you're watching. <laughs> so let's think about that when watching a movie like this. Cause for me, it was more like a soccer game than with a zero zero type, which would explain yeah. why this movie's done really well in Europe and overseas. Gosh, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, oh, wow. wow. No, 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 he's right. Like, like to us or some people like, you know, might be yelling like Homer Simpson boring during a soccer game. Uh, you know, most of Europe is captivated by a zero zero score yeah. um, with every single move that, you know, that is played there. And it's the same it's thing. It's like chess. It's like chess. They're, Absolutely. They're, everything's being put in place, yep. which is why I think in the long run, if there is a book too. Um, this movie will need to be rewatched and reviewed um, simply so that you get the full picture. Yes. I truly feel like that's what's missing yeah. in this. The ending for me was, was very of the uh, back to the future two variety <laughs> um, I in which <laughs> I just sat there and went, wait, did I just watch a commercial for next year's movie? Yeah. Um, also, Ashley, to your point, the last time Warner Brothers tried to film two movies back to back, they forgot to tell Richard Donner and he started filming half of Superman 2. So maybe that's not what they should have been going for. Warner, Brother, Warner Brothers did the Harry Potter movie, so, so and they did. Definitely yeah, but they did with different back. directors. <laughs> And we're not even going to get into part one and two was the same, right? Part part one and two was the same, but after that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're not getting into the Harry Potter franchise in terms of scale and aging of those characters. No, no, no. Um, Though I will say, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that I actually don't mind the fact that there might be a delay between shooting because I think there's a big, for lack of a better, there's a there's a two year time skip at about the halfway point of the book, and I I think that's kind of what they're setting up because. The scenes gotcha. they because there's there's a couple of scenes that they can trim 
that are really just sort of him getting to the CH and, and meeting the Fremen and doing that they could very easily cut to the two-year time skip, do a couple of flashback scenes, and I actually think it would work better, especially with the actor playing Paul, to give the guy a couple more years to maybe make him look a little older when he shoots those and let some mm-hmm. other people kind of maybe give a slight ability to make him look a little older so he doesn't and get him in shape because in the later, you know, there's a whole physical change in Paul and there's a lot of other stuff they could very well do. There's a lot of change. So with the three, so with the three act structure, we'll like skip the second act. No, we actually (laughs) go right to the third. (laughs) We watched the first act. We're about to watch acts two and three. So, well, that's, that's what I, I am concerned about. Like the next one being too packed. Well, exactly. Stuff. Like this one breathes, whereas the next one could be too frantic. But Mike, what about you? Well, it could be interesting because you know, hearing interviews with the director, you know, he had when he was creating this movie, he had already planned that there was going to be three movies. Mm-hmm. That there's going to be this one, um, then the second one, and the second part of the first book, and then the the third movie was supposed to be the whole book of Dune Messiah. Which is so? It'll be real interesting to see if that's what they're play, that what actually comes to fruition. I'm just gonna be happy that they do a second part so they can get this story, the first story, done properly. And there is so much ahead in the first book that we haven't even got to yet. And I am. They hinted at it a little bit at the like some of the last scenes, seeing like the the sand sandworm rider and everything and it's just so much fun to come and i there was a lot I, the characters fit more for me you know in this movie even though there were big names they were what i was picturing these characters to look like and the scenery and everything and even the Baron was awesome in this, you know, mm-hmm. it was Spe- speaking about that. If you don't mind my asking, no, go ahead. One of the things that was pulling me out of it. And I mentioned it earlier was that it's like, Oh, it's Poe. It's Aquaman. It's a, would this movie had been, I guess for me, maybe more memorable with more of an unknown cast with people. I mean, this is some heavy stuff and you need strong actors who could pull it off. I just don't know that I would have wanted as much of the A-list actors that they got. I mean, if you can get Momoa, if you can get Batista, if you can get, you know, uh, uh, Oscar Isaac, I get it. But I just kind of like, it it doesn't change. It's like watching uh, Glenn Close in a movie now. It doesn't matter how much she's playing the character. It's Glenn Close. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting thing because I, I get what you're saying, and I felt that way about like Robert De Niro for a while. Like mm-hmm. I, I just couldn't believe the characters he was playing. It just seemed like it was Robert De Niro, right? And 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 it it is a hurdle, but I, I don't think you can. There's nothing you can do about that because that's a subjective view, right? Like yeah, and again, know, it's a case gonna... where you know if you're into the movie as much, they're going to blend in. They're, you're yeah. not going to be able to. I can't help but see Harrison Ford as Han Solo. So whatever he's in, cool Han Solo movie, um, but I, uh, unless it's the movie Solo, which is another dragon entirely. Um, but but the rest wow. of it for me, we reviewed that already. Yeah, um, I just think that that for me, I would have liked to have maybe not known the actors so that I could see them more as the characters that they were. 
You should watch the miniseries. Um, well, the, <laughs> I would say that people in there that you won't know. <laughs> uh, though I would, I, I would wonder how much of that was the how much of that was them going for these actors, and how much of that was like the Hans Zimmer thing, where it was like, you know, like Jason. I would some of these guys. I would be unsurprised to actually mm-hmm. find out that Momoa, as much as he's kind of hinted that he's a huge nerd off screen, it would not surprise me that he heard there was a Dune movie and went, "I want in." Yeah, yeah. Oscar Isaac is the same too. thing. So some of them yeah. may have been like these guys may have fought for these roles. So and I, yeah. and I get that. It's just one of those things where mm-hmm. you know, for me, and that's just me and just my opinion. Um, I wonder if I would have enjoyed the movie more if I wasn't looking at them and going, "Well, that's Josh Brolin." But that's yeah. just me. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's valid. Um, uh, real quick, before we pan out, the one thing I wanted to point out, and I had to point this out because one I, the one thing I think I loved about this movie most of all is the, uh, and actually you kind of pointed to it, It's a, it doesn't feel derivative because it's from a different point of view. Like when usually we see like, you know, Luke Skywalker going up against the Empire, we see it from the Rebels point of view. We see it from the people who are not part of the Empire. We don't see it from the Empire's point mm-hmm. of view. This movie we see it like we start out and our main characters, the people that we're getting to know are part of the empire. We don't get to right. see the rebels. We don't get to know them until much later. If only we are introduced to them. So it's really weird, especially in this day and age of like, you know, privilege and everything. It's really interesting to see this movie and, and sort of find yourself siding and feeling sympathy for the empire, the imperial type characters. Um, as nice as they may be, they're still the oppressors, right? Um, right. And, and it's just like, it, it's very, very, I, I like that point of view. Um, and I know that it's going to probably, you know, be explored later, obviously, um, you know, th- through the events of the movie, you know, Paul in particular is no longer, like now he's at a point where he's lost everything and he's not part of the privileged class. But, um, but through the most of the movie, it's like, here, here's your oppressors are coming to take over. And, uh, and yeah, you get to know these guys. Aren't they really nice? Um, yeah, but they're still kind of jerks <laughs> for what they're doing. Um, anyway, uh, so much to unpack here. Um, we could, you know, this is the Dune Review Part 1. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so to be continued, I'm sure we'll be talking about this, hopefully with uh, the word on a part two coming uh, mm. greenlit very, very, very soon. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, we'll be right back after we get created. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It felt good to be out of the rain. In the desert, you can remember your name. Because there ain't no one for to give you no Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. History never repeats I tell myself before I go to sleep 
Welcome back. Now it's time for the Creative Outlet segment, and we have with us a very special guest returning once again to the show. It's Goff of Beer Nuts Productions. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for for having me back on your podcast. It's always always fun to chat to you fellas. It's great to have you, sir. You have a new movie out, and tell us about this one. Absolutely. So uh, what I thought was I'd, I'd watched a few of those VH1 and uh, e-true Hollywood type, uh, mm. you know, uh, TV shows where we do biographies of people's lives. And uh, uh, one thing occurred to well, two things occurred to me. First thing was, wouldn't that be a fun format to make fun of? So I did. And also the other thing that uh, occurred to me was because their budgets aren't big, they could only afford the people who have the most vaguest like uh, recollections and vaguest uh, interactions with the actual famous person that we're talking about. So again, I uh, I chose that. So what I have done is I have made up a completely fictional artist, as in like painter artist, called Christian Victoria. And unfortunately for Christian, he only died two weeks ago. So I thought, what a what a great time to do a my own version of an e true Hollywood story about the the life and times of Christian Victoria, and uh, of course we have uh, as uh, in true e Hollywood type uh, fashion goes, we've got uh, art historians and art lecturers and his next door neighbour and school teacher and uh, all kinds of different folks who uh, give their thoughts and opinion on this uh, rather eccentric. Uh, child genius artist painter man so uh, does that uh, does that kind of sum it up pretty well for you fellas absolutely oh very much so i got that vibe from it it's like let's talk to his first grade teacher or you know and it was just like oh i know where he's going with this this is awesome because <laughs> sometimes sometimes with your projects it's like okay what is he trying to get across but this was right to the point this one was <laughs> And that is that is awesome. Easily yes. recognizable format. <laughs> Subtly, subtlety and uh, Beer Nuts Productions usually don't go hand in hand. I'm a <laughs> bit, bit like a sledgehammer, I think, would be an accurate way to describe me. So, yes. That's definitely true. And that's one of the things we love about you, my friend, is you come on like a ton of bricks, but you make good points, which is wonderful. <laughs> Well, and like I said earlier, you know, as you say, you know, interviewing the school teacher, I mean, like you, you, you see this actually happen like for real when you watch those TV shows and you're like, as if that woman remembers, like, you know, they have, for example, Brad Pitt's, you know, uh, elementary school teacher. And it's like, as if she would remember Brad Pitt from 40 years ago. And even if she vaguely, I mean, she's, she's taught thousands of children. And, and even if, let's say by some miracle she does, as if she could tell at the age of six that he was going to grow up to be this huge, massive acting megastar. I mean, you know, come on, seriously. So I thought it, it was a great thing to have some fun with. So I got, to, as usual with my stuff, I sort of invented a whole bunch of outrageous, over-the-top stereotypes and... Uh, and we just go from there, pretty much. So, uh, so a question I have for you regarding uh, the artist that you're profiling is: uh, Where did you get that artwork, man? Some of that is quite wild. Uh, well, I made it. Well, I didn't make it personally. I Ilya <laughs> does all my artwork and props. Uh, I went over to a, a studio and I said, uh, Ilya, this is going to be the next project. I need 13 pieces of artwork. 
I, I told her very because I'm uh, I'm very clear with my instructions, so she knew exactly what I was after. I even drew little sketches for some of them, and um, it was quite funny. Some of them, uh, for example, the frog uh, painting that we've got there. Uh, making that was quite funny because she sent me a bunch of images from National Geographic of uh, frogs <laughs> doing what frogs do. And, um, yeah, I was like, oh, I like that one the best. She said, okay, we go with that one. So, yeah, so it was quite <laughs> funny how, how they all came about. But, yeah, she's amazing, Ilya. She can do anything at all. So whenever you watch the Beer Nuts film, I would say 80% or even more, actually, probably about 85 90% of any artwork, props, graphic art, no matter what it is in nature, it's come from Ilya. It's come from the same person. I've been working with Ilya now since 2013, and she's an absolute superstar of a human being. When it comes to artworks of any nature, props, even actually we were filmed in her studio. So when you see Harold Tut, the art critic, that's actually Ilya's real-life studio, and that artwork in the background is proper real Ilya artwork that she sells for real. So um, she does proper artwork besides the outrageous things I make her do as well. Well, all I have to say is that uh, we'll, we'll call it um, excessively endowed uh, sculpture piece. Um, if you didn't snatch Understatement. that up, and, if you didn't snatch that up and, and prop it in your living room for all to see every time as a conversation piece, uh, that, that needs to happen. Well, you might think that I'm being humorous, but uh, it actually is in my house, and uh, I keep all my props. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so all the artwork you see in that film is uh, has pride of place in my house now. And same with all of the other films I've done. If there's ever been any sort of graphic art or outrageous props or anything, I always keep it. And uh, I've got a little room where I keep everything. It's sort of like because I'm a just uh, generally speaking, I'm a bit mad for memorabilia. You know, like when you can. By football, by football memorabilia, you know, your football team wins the Super Bowl and they sell, you know, a signed football or something. I'm all about that kind of stuff. I'm mad for memorabilia. So I've got my own little sort of Beer Nuts Productions memorabilia. And yes, uh, Barry, the statue of Barry, he is absolutely uh, in, the, in the Beer Nuts Memorabilia Museum. Barry is going to be in my memory for many years to come. <laughs> Did you like, just out of curiosity... Did you enjoy the uh, the rotation shot that we did? Because that's too absolutely no no <laughs> that that needed to be because I looked at it and my yeah one of my my second or third thoughts was I wonder what's in the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why that's why we had to do a rotation, and it was like it was so badly done, but for some reason it just kind of works. I don't know why it works, but it, well, we put it in fast forward, and it absolutely works. It, it, uh, that tickled me. It's one of those happy accidents, let's say, that uh, sort of works for you. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it was interesting. My wife was watching the video with me, and she, when she, it popped up, she was like, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> what it a was, wonderful reaction. That's fantastic. So that is awesome, sir. So how can people see your videos, as always? Absolutely. So uh, just there's only the one place, which is beernutsproductions.com. So just head on to beernutsproductions.com, click on the movie link, and you can see Biography of a Star, Christian Victoria, and all the other films are there too. And, of course, have a bit of a click around the website for all the other work we've done. But, yeah, Biography of a Star, Christian Victoria, is now uh, available for everybody to download and enjoy. It goes for about 
Actually, it's our, our longest uh, short film. That's a bit of a contradictory in terms. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it goes for 32 minutes. So it's a bit longer than what we usually do. But, um, yeah, it just uh, it worked. It was uh, working well. So we just uh, kept pumping it out. So, yeah, 32 minutes. And, uh, yeah, biography of a star, Christian Victoria at beernutsproductions.com. And we Excellent. will definitely have a link for uh, this amazing fun uh, short on our on our show notes. Excellent, Goff. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Hey, thanks, fellas, for having me on. I really do appreciate your ongoing support. You're good, good fellas, the pair of you. Thanks, my friend. Let's take a quick break. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Muppets Haunted Mansion movie. There are always some great movies that come out around this time of the year, some of them classics and some of them new, and Disney Plus just released a really cute Muppet Haunted Mansion movie. The movie follows Gonzo, who is challenged to spend the night in the Haunted Mansion, a mansion that no one else has ever spent the night in and survived until morning, and Gonzo's favorite magician actually disappeared in. Pepe also goes along with Gonzo into the Haunted Mansion, and we see some great cameos in the graveyard outside of the mansion, including Danny Trejo. So really, really cool that they got a lot of actors on board with this movie. This movie pays great homage to the Haunted Mansion ride. We get Miss Piggy as Madame Leota and lots of other great moments connecting the ride to the Muppets. I really enjoyed this fun film, which helps Gonzo realize that he may not be scared of much except for being forgotten by his friends. There is also a great side story with Pepe and the bride, which is a lot of fun and adds a bit of drama to the story as well. Overall, this is a really fun little film that has a lot of our favorite Muppet characters in a spooky Halloween setting. And Haunted Mansion being my favorite ride at Disney, I was really happy to see all the little Easter eggs that they threw into the movie as well. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for making it through 600 episodes with us. Of course, Alex Autry, thank you, sir, for being here. Glad to be back. It is so, so good to fun. have you and thank see you, you healthy and up around again. Healthy is good. We'll take healthy. Yes, my friend. Of course. And anything you want to shout out about? Strangely enough, I actually have something to promote. Yes, I you want- do. I do. My wife and I launched a YouTube channel called Yeah, We Went There. Um, we have had a lot of fun with it. There's a, so many cool places to go throughout the Southeast and everything. So we decided why not film it? And uh, we've gotten to do some uh, some country fairs. And I went earlier today to the Brave Send-Off. I have that almost finished. And we'll launch that uh, in, a, in, in probably tomorrow morning. Um, and then next week, this upcoming Friday, I'm going to be at Fanboy Expo in Tennessee. Woo-hoo. So I'll be recording up there as well. That sounds awesome, sir. Hope you enjoy Thank yourself. You. Uh, we will have a link to that in the show notes for sure. Of course. Yay. Yay. And Miss Ashley Pauls, thank you. Thank you as always. Oh, it is always a pleasure. Gosh, you've been with us for quite some time now, and you know, you know, you still look, don't look a day over twenty, so it's perfect. Uh, well, thanks. I am a few days over twenty now, but we won't count those. <laughs> like a day over episode three hundred. Yeah, exactly. D- thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> that makes it even better. 
that makes it even better. Anything you want to shout out about? Um, just my only shout out is that Alex, it's great to see you back. Um, it made my heart so happy when I opened the show notes and saw your name on there as one of the people that was going to be podcasting tonight. So Thank it's great you. to have you back and look forward to talking about more movies this fall and winter. Always. Oh, we got a lot of them still to go, folks. Oh, yeah. And Chip, thank you so, so much. It's nice having you up here with not a science episode. I mean, it is science fiction, so, you know, you can can make that (laughs) argument. Technically, technically. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Glad to. Hey, anything you want to shout out about? Um, Go see this movie in theaters because, yes, they're getting money on streaming, but please, if you can, if you feel safe, you know, we're not saying you have to go if you don't feel safe, but if you feel safe, Go see this movie in theaters. It is it is worth it is one of those that's better seen in theaters. Totally agree with that. Totally agree, especially IMAX. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through six hundred, my friend. We have. It's amazing. Um, and as always, it's my pleasure. Where did it just felt like we just did number two hundred just two weeks ago? Uh, well, yeah, it's been longer it, than that, but it must be, I mean, new, it must be new math or something. I tell you what, the, 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 the time between 500 and 600 has felt like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it, but it feels, you know, it was pretty awesome and we've just, we've had a blast and it's been a pleasure doing it with you, my dear friend. Uh, same here, man. Same here. It's been, uh, it's a great ride. Anything you to shout out about, sir? Uh, yeah, well, um, October is, is obviously the month of Halloween, countdown to Halloween. We've done that. And, uh, it's also for me, um, postseason and of uh, baseball. And, uh, I have to give a shout out to, uh, first and foremost, I have to give a shout out to the Boston Red Sox, my uh, A number one team for making it as far as they did. Uh, they shouldn't have, but they, they made it further than anybody, uh, predicted that they would. And I think they should be pretty proud with the effort they put in. Um, and more importantly, uh, Thanks. Uh, congratulations to the the National League champions, uh, the Atlanta Braves. Hard to believe it's been 20 years. Uh, they have not been to the World Series in this century. Uh, so that's amazing to me to think about. And uh, especially since Michelle and I were there and they won the first one. Uh, so we will hope to be, well, I don't think we're going to be in their person, but uh, we're very much rooting for them to get a second one. Well, there you go. Hopefully, you, people who like baseball and fans of the Atlanta Braves. I know we have quite a few fans on the on the show tonight, and also out there in podcast land. It's going to be pretty awesome to uh, see what happens against the cheating Houston Astros. Suck it, Houston! So it'll be a lot of fun. It'll as be long a lot as everybody of fun. has a good time mm-hmm. and the Braves win. Suck it, Astros! Yeah, yeah. see exactly. All right, um, of course, you know. Thank you, everyone, for listening tonight. And 600 is huge, you know, for a podcast where most shows don't make it past 20. Uh, you know, we made it to 600. And, you know, just sitting around thinking, you know, how cool was it that, you know, this is still a thing, that we're still doing this every Monday, that we're, you know, going along and Last week, Mike and I put our schedule together. We we're already scheduled out through summer, t- the beginning of summer, and it's just it's just amazing what we have planned for you guys and what's going to be happening. And we just we're going to keep on doing this. You know, I joke that we're going to make it to number one thousand eventually, and we'll be ready to retire by that point. You know, it should be a lot of cool things. You know, don't laugh. Alex just posted Earth Station One, the musical. It might happen. 
you know. Yeah, we we might run out of topics, so it might be, you know, we might get the, we might get that desperate. Well, we can also, you know, we can have some friends of ours who do write music come in and, you know, write a special song for each one of us. So it'll be awesome. I can't wait to hear Ashley singing. So it'll be awesome. I want to do a quick shout out other than, you know, thanking everybody for being here. Um, Judy and I started watching the TV show Ghosts on uh, CBS and we are doing a duel because we're watching both the BBC version and the American version at the same time because uh, Ghosts on for the BBC is on HBO Max if you have a chance to watch it and they're only half hour episodes and there's only six episodes per season so you know definitely worth watching and the American version has my favorite eye zombie in it so it's uh, pretty cool to watch and it's been a ton of fun and it's a good show to watch so I highly recommend Ghosts if you get a chance to watch it and it's great because they're starting to veer off from each other so it's not like watching the same show over and over again like if you're watching the American and the British version and that was part of the reason why we decided to do it that way so pretty cool definitely check it out Um, also folks as always, we like to say thank you for being here with us, you know, and telling everybody, you know, just thank you. I can't thank you guys enough that people are listening to us after 600 episodes. Hell, I'm, you know, when I see that we have, you know, a thousand downloads a week or 2,000 downloads or something like that, and or sometimes even 5,000, it's just like, I'm shocked one person is listening to us, let alone that. And it's, it's fantastic. And it just, it's just amazing to me. And, you know, thank you. That's all I can say is thank you. All right. Let's move on to number 601. We're coming back to you again next week. And for, <laughs> PSO part two. Part two, the second part of it. <laughs> and we are going to be doing the 20th anniversary of Spirited Away. And it's going to be a lot of fun to do. And it's the watched... second in our ser- in our weekly series of directors we can't pronounce their names. Exactly. I think that's going to be a new uh, running theme on the show because you know we, we like it when you drink when we mispronounce the names, but we're trying to give you guys a little bit of a break here. So you know, folks, we wanted to thank you and join us for that. And you know, if you want to leave feedback. As always, feedback at earthstation1.com. Definitely would love to hear from you guys. And as we always like to say to you guys, you know, thank you for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. As always, we're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including Amazon Music and a few other places. You know, basically wherever all the good shows are. Earth Station One is hanging around there, too. So definitely tell your friends and tell your neighbors about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, Alex Autry, Ashley Pauls, and Chip Johnson. Thanks for listening. We will see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe. Hug your loved one. Folks, please get your vaccination if you haven't done it yet. I just had a close friend pass away not that long ago from COVID and he just didn't want to get the vaccination and he was like, Oh, it's just a media thing. He found out different. I'm not trying to get political. I'm not trying to do anything, but it was someone close to me and you know what? Do what you must, but take care of yourselves. We want you here for number 1000. That's all I want to say. Take it easy folks. We'll see you next time. Peace. 
And we are done, folks. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.